Good morning. I invite you to bow your heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We ask, Lord, that you may prepare our hearts to receive your word and that your Holy Spirit may be with us. We pray that for all the speakers, everything that's done here, Lord, may be to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is that the prayer of your hearts this morning? 
Let the Lord take our entire, our complete lives and use our lives for whatever it is that He wants to use our lives for. Amen? I want to welcome you on behalf of our board of directors and our executive committee to GYC 2007 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, one of the reasons why we decided on this venue was because we knew this, that as you go on outreach today, you're going to be forced to walk fast from door to door. You have no other option. If you walk slowly, you're going to freeze to the ground. I hope that you brought warm clothing today because we're going to go out this afternoon door to door and we're going to invite people to experience a little bit of the love of Christ. Worship does not only take place in a building. Worship takes place in the life, in sharing what God has done for us with other people. Amen? Amen. I want to invite all of you this afternoon to take part of that very important worship experience. But we are here at the worship hour, and we want to introduce to you special people. As you know, we believe at GYC that young people have energy. Isn't that right? We have a lot of energy, and we are on fire for Jesus. But there is something that young people need, and that is wisdom. Every once in a while, we get ahead of ourselves, and we need someone to pull us back and to say, Hey, do this instead. Think about this instead of doing what you are doing now. And so we have parents. Parents that support GYC, that provide guidance whenever we need it. And those parents are called ASI and Public Campus Ministries Campus, which is based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we want to introduce to you these sponsoring organizations. Mrs. McNeilis represents ASI and Dr. Pippin representing campus in Michigan. Us to be here with you. We know we're a little bit older, but we are happy to be with you today. Happy Sabbath, and we want to welcome you to come to ASI. It's going to be August 6th through 9 in Tampa, Florida. It's a warm place in the summer, but we know that there's lots that God has in plan for Tampa, Florida. And you know, another thing that I'm excited about is that I get to see hundreds, and I'm not kidding you, hundreds of young people that have been in involved with ASI and now are a part of GYC. I have a short letter that I would like to read to you, and this is why I'm so excited about GYC. Dear Donna and Denzel, I am sending this note to you by way of ASI and asking them to forward it to you. I'm writing to update you on ASI Columbus five years ago and tell you about one family that became baptized members of the Eastwood congregation as a result of the meetings that were held. They were baptized the first Sabbath of September in that year, husband, wife, three children. Today, Bill is head deacon. Kathy is a lay activities coordinator. The children are all enrolled in Mount Vernon Academy and doing well. Both Bill and Kathy are members of our church board, and Kathy is also a member of our church school board. Needless to say, they have committed themselves to God's work in our part of the city and have become leaders that we look up to. We are so happy that we have future leaders here that we can look up to. And we are excited that God is using you no matter where you are in what part of the world. And as I've told my children, never, never take your eyes off of Jesus. He's coming soon, and I can't wait. On behalf of the Michigan Conference, 
campus would like to welcome every one of you to 2007 GYC. Campus, which is an acronym for the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students, is privileged to be the birthplace headquarters and sponsor of GYC. Throughout the centuries of time, God has always used university campuses to bring about revival and reformation movements in the world, all the way to the time of Moses at the University of Egypt, Daniel in the University of Babylon, in the Reformation era, Wycliffe at Oxford, University of Wittenberg, Martin Luther, John Haas, University of Prague, back to Oxford, the Wesleyan Revival. Here in this country, I can take you to the 18th century, 19th century, Obling, which gave birth to United Way, YWSCA, and all of these movements. We believe in this 21st century, God has raised up young people, students, Seventh-day Adventists, and we are privileged that the vision and mission of campus has inspired a whole generation of young people. May the Lord help us to be, as long as you remain Bible-based, mission-driven, life-transforming, campus will continue to support GYC. Israel, we are not old. Old is a function of the heart, and we are young too. <laughs> Dr. Pippen, my heart is starting to beat with yours. When we first came to GYC, I had a little more hair and a little less weight. I was single and I had no kids. A few years later, you blink a couple times and you wonder what happened. You're happy about some things, amen? Very happy about some things, but other things you're beginning to get worried about. So as we welcome you, we want to thank you for your trust that you've had in this ministry. This is a ministry not an organization. We thank you that you are a part of this movement, a movement of young people who want to be formalized into an army who will do something big just before Jesus comes. I want to invite us during this time to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to us today to be exactly who and what God wants us to be. Thank you so much for joining us for our worship service. We cannot continue on in our worship service without doing something very, very important. This is probably the last time that I get to do it. So sorry to our 3ABN leadership. But there are parents at home that wish that they were here with us today. And they've sacrificed their children to be here at this conference in the freezing weather of Minneapolis. And so we want to take some time right now. I'm sure that you want to do it with me also to say hi to our parents. Isn't that right? Can we wave to our parents who are out there? My parents are in sunny California where it's 70 degrees. Mom, we're freezing to death. Dad, we're freezing to death, but we love you. Thank you. God bless. It is offering time. And those of you who have been to GYC, you know that we are really an army of young people charged out to go and spread the gospel to all the world in this generation. And to this end, I want to invite you to consider your offering this morning that will go toward furthering the efforts of GYC. At GYC, we want to make it a year-round experience and not just a conference. And so you've heard us talking about putting resources together. We have evangelistic meetings going on. In fact, we've had people in this city since September. And you're going to hear much about that when Justin comes up to give his report.
And we are going to keep them in this city to continue the work until June. And as soon as they finish, we are headed out to San Jose where we are going to have our meeting next year. So there's a lot of work that is going on. And because of the growth of GYC, we've also been forced to have someone paid from our funds. And so we're also going to request you to contribute towards some administrative funds. So at this point, I just want to encourage you from the Bible one of my favorite verses about giving, and it is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I'm sure all of you have heard this, but I'm going to read it again to your hearing. Um, and while I read this, I want to request all the ushers to please rise up so that when I'm done, you can go ahead and collect the offerings. It says, And God is able, so, sorry, verse 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. When I heard that this word cheerful means hilarious, it's someone who gives cheerfully and looking forward for the next occasion in which they can give. I invite you to dig deep in your pockets and give generously. We prefer that you give through the envelopes that we have provided for you. I'm sure all of you received. If you don't, raise up your hands. The ushers will try to give them to you. And uh, you can give by credit card, and you can also make a pledge. And if you want a tax-deductible receipt sent to you, please make sure you have your address and all the information there. And make sure you check that box right there on the envelope. May God bless you as you give towards the offerings to your GYC.
us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of returning what belongs to you. I pray, dear Lord, that you may bless all of us this afternoon as we share in your word. And I pray, dear Lord, the blessing upon your people, that you, the God who is able to make all grace abound toward us, that we may have all sufficiency in all things and may abound in every good works. To this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and happy Sabbath. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning. I was given the time this morning to give you a brief evangelistic report. And I'm telling you what, I thank the leadership of GYC for giving four times the amount of time to talk about evangelism compared to the offering appeal. Amen? Amen. Truly, GYC is evangelistic in its nature. I'll tell you first of all about Sacramento. Sacramento, we decided, you know what? We talk about evangelism for a whole weekend. Why not take Sabbath afternoon and do evangelism? Amen? So in, in Sacramento, we filled up eight busloads of kids and went into the community. Amen? After Sacramento, we went to Chattanooga. I almost forgot myself. In Chattanooga, we worked with Pastor Finley. Pastor Finley said, you know what? If you guys or guys and gals go out, develop interest, we'll use our evangelistic series to follow up on that. And the GYC leadership said that'd be perfect. So we filled up 28 buses of young people. Amen. 28 buses of young people went out into the community. More than 1,000 requests for Bible studies came in that day. More came in the mail because of what the young people did in Chattanooga. We moved on to Baltimore. In Baltimore, you said, you, you know what? We want to do a little more. More than just the outreach, we're going to do evangelism through young people in Baltimore for follow-up of GYC. Amen? The money that we raised last year in our offering went to, to fund evangelism in Baltimore. So we got to Baltimore. We loaded up 34 buses. 34 buses? Went into the community. Got about 850 requests for Bible studies. More came in the mail. And then young people held evangelistic series. Young people followed up on these. And young people financed it. Amen? A full circle of young people evangelism. Chelsea was our coordinator in Baltimore. And Chelsea, I'm going to just give you the time to tell us what happened there. And if you had a story, I'm sure we'd love to hear it. Thank you. I'm very excited to share with you what happened with GYC. As the leads come in, we decided that we needed to work with some local churches to train these church members on how to follow up on leads. So a team of Bible workers came in. We held a training in Baltimore. Over 200 people came, 90 of which were solid, came every week and graduated from the church training. They were out there giving Bible studies, knocking on doors, going out with our Bible workers. And then we had an evangelistic series. I do want to share with you briefly uh, one short story of something that happened in Baltimore to encourage you here as well. In Baltimore, one of the Bible workers had a stack of leads. Now we took these 800 and some leads, divided them up for each of the Bible workers. And she had this big stack of leads. On one of them, it said that they requested Spanish Bible studies. Well, this particular Bible worker did not speak Spanish, so she said, I'll put that one to the side and try to find a church member to go with me later. 
Well, one day she was driving through the neighborhood and she was impressed to stop by this home. So she went to the home, knocked on the door, and she told this lady, I'm with GYC. This woman's face lit up. She said, come in my home. She quickly ushered her in. And this is what she told her. That day that GYC came knocking on her door, she said she had been in earnest prayer, pouring her heart out to God, asking him for help. That very day, she had had a miscarriage. And her heart was broken. She was crying out to God. God, please send someone. And guess who showed up at her door? Two GYC young people that were faithful. The cold didn't stop them. The snow didn't stop them. They were going out to knock on doors because God had a special appointment for them. And they knocked on her door. She was so excited. She signed up for Bible studies right then. And her heart was encouraged. She knew that God heard her prayer. And she, she, right then, as the Bible worker came in, she said, can we study right now, please? So they sat down. They had a Bible study that very day. God had lined it up to send the Bible worker that day, this woman, as if she had been waiting all day for this Bible study. All because God had us, gave us divine appointments as we went door to door in that community. And here in Minneapolis, five minutes from this convention center, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, God has a divine appointment for you. Will you make it to that appointment? Chelsea, I just wonder, we'll go out today. Is there any follow-up for Minnesota? Yes, that's a good question. There is definitely follow-up. We have had, since September, a coordinator and a Bible worker here preparing the way. Church training has been happening. Church members are out there knocking on doors. Some of them are here today. I've seen them faithfully knocking on doors. Other Bible workers are coming in January 2nd to follow up on all these Bible study leads, to go to the homes. We just need you to go out there and knock on the doors to bring in the leads. We're planning four evangelistic series with young people preaching, young people doing the Bible work, young people overseeing and coordinating the, the whole event. And, and you will be financing it as well. So it's all young people led. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do here in Minneapolis. Thank you, Chelsea. The, real, the reality of it today, friends, is that today, December 22nd, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you have a chance to change the course of history in people's lives. I'd hate to think that angels and the Holy Spirit have been working overtime to set up divine appointments for you, and you'd miss it because you had to take a nap, or you had to visit someone of the opposite sex or some some misconceived idea friends god has been working overtime in minneapolis he needs you to witness to someone today and i pray that you don't miss that opportunity i just ask that this time if you're planning on going to the evangelism this afternoon at 1:30, just stand in the audience stand if you're going to visit and i appreciate all your willingness But I want the three ABN audience to see this. Almost everyone in this auditorium is standing. Today at 1.30, the devil will work hard to distract them. The devil will work hard to distract the doors that they'll knock on. The devil will do everything in his power to stop this from happening. But the three ABN audience has a very special job. Your job is to pray at 1.30 today that young people will not be distracted, that God will be lifted up high above that to Minneapolis, and that this would change the history of the earth.
Can you do that for me? You can take a seat. 1.30, meet us at the main audience, auditorium. You know, I have to tell you very quickly. A guy said to me, There's, they'll never come. You'll never get people in Minnesota in December when there's snow and cold on the ground. Forget it. You know what our team has done? We have enough buses. We have enough opportunity for every person in this auditorium to be involved this afternoon. Amen? Not one of you thinks that there's not enough space for you because we've planned for it. Amen? I will see you at 1.30. It will be exciting. Let's hear another amen. I plan on being there. Thanks, Justin. And in order to evangelize, we need the word of God. Saints, I'm going to ask you to unsheath your swords, those swords of the Spirit. We're going to do our scripture reading for our message today. I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 14. What was that? John chapter 14. I love to hear those onion pages turning. We're going to John 14, verses 9 to 14. I'm going to wait for you. John 14, verses 9 to 14. The word of the Lord reads, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name... I will do it. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You know, the most captivating things of those stories that Justin and Chelsea shared with us just a little bit ago is that they're not fairy tales, they're true. Someone was actually praying and God answered that prayer, amen? The prayer of my heart today is that as we prepare for the message of this evening, each of us will have a similar prayer. We're going through difficulties in our lives we cannot ignore. May the word of God speak to us. That is my prayer for us today. Our speaker for this hour is Pastor Paul Ratsara. Pastor Paul Ratsara comes to us from Southern African Indian Ocean Division, where he serves as the president of that division. He comes to us also with his wife, Mrs. Ratsara, And there are two sons and one daughter. Mary is the daughter. She has just graduated, I believe, from our college there in Brazil. And his two sons, Paul and Moses. We're happy to have you here with us, Pastor Ratsara, and the family wherever you are today. I've appreciated something very much about Paul Ratsara. We were going through difficult times uh, in the direction of GYC. And I met Pastor Ratsara in an elevator. He didn't know who I was, and I don't think I even knew who he was. I just knew the name. And I saw a picture of him in the Review and Herald. I introduced myself to him, and very cordially, he talked to me all the way up. And I noticed in his face that he didn't seem annoyed with the little guy who's talking to him. 
and it impacted me. Later on, we were able to pray together in a room. And after that, Paul Ritzara, Pastor Paul Ritzara, pulled me aside. And he said to me, Israel, there are certain challenges that you face now. More challenges that you will face later on in your career and in your future. You think sometimes that you need logistics, you need wisdom, you need brains in order to overcome these challenges. He said, but the key to leadership is prayer. What impacted me most about that was that we prayed right there in public. We prayed for a specific prayer. Immediately after we prayed together, I approached someone, a person I needed to speak with about different challenges that we were going through. And immediately, friends, our prayers were answered. I've come to respect Pastor Ritzara because he is a man of prayer. And Pastor Ritzara, to us young people, you give us confidence that indeed God is raising up in his church leaders who are going to carry this church, this movement known as Seventh-day Adventism, to the end if we are faithful. Let us open our hearts now as we hear the words of Pastor Ratsara and as we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. The next voice that you would hear is the voice of Paul Ratsara after we have our song of dedication just before his message. At the end of the stanza, at the end of the song, towards the end of the song in the last stanza, you are going to be invited to join the choir in singing the last stanza together before they close off the song. And then after that, the voice that you would hear next is the voice of Pastor Ritzara.
morning to all. And happy Sabbath. I don't know about you, but uh, as far as I am concerned, I'm immensely blessed during this convention. God is here. I feel it. I know. God is working in a mighty way. Thank you very much for giving us the joy to be part of you, my family and myself, to be part of this ministry. It is indeed a joy for me and for my family to be with you and also to interact through this television, through the program today to the audience of Fribien. I enjoy being with young people, given my background. I once, I was once youth director of a conference. And then campus ministry, the chaplain of six secular universities. So if you give me this joy to be with young people, this is an extra bonus. I like it so much. But the most important thing I have observed is that I am inspired by your dedication. Just to see young people and people on fire for the Lord and for evangelism is in itself a source of encouragement and inspiration. I am not a prophet. I am not a son of a prophet. But I know, I can see, I can tell you for sure that this ministry will play, and it is already playing, a vital role to finish God's work in this generation. We can see it very clearly. I would like to commend you for the choice of your theme. Be transformed. It is so relevant that we talk about be before to go, before going. Before we go, we must be. That is biblical. When Jesus gave the great commission, he said, go ye therefore. And then he said, but stay first in Jerusalem. So he said, go, but before ye go, be. We thank God for this choice. Because it is indeed so appropriate for us. Because many times, we tend to go without being. And the result is felt. I have been praying so hard and fasting for this convention. That this convention will be a turning point in our personal lives. And also the life of the ministry and the life of the church at large. I'm praying that this will be our personal Pentecost. I'm praying that this will be our Pentecost as a ministry, as a movement.
You know, friends, time is very short. And we cannot afford to do business as usual. I'm so thrilled to know about the program this afternoon. I'm going to go out also with you. Knocking on doors. Because that is it. I would like us to take a stand. Because time is very short. We can no longer afford to do business as usual. I would like you to open your Bibles. And I would like to read again what is written in John chapter 14. And you just read verse 12 and verse 13. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And verse 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. My topic today is the divine key to finish God's work. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, we thank you so much for the gift of life. And we thank you for this opportunity to be here, to worship you. And now we are sure that you are here among us. We just want you, Lord, to help us to feel your holy presence in our lives. Use this moment to transform us all. For us to be in order to go. Speak, Lord, because we are listening. Amen. Three months ago, I was seated next to a gentleman on a plane from Frankfurt to United States. I introduced myself to him, and he did the same. I told him that uh, I'm a pastor. And he said, yes, I'm a pastor too. And I said, could you please talk more about your ministry? And he said, of course in our ministry, uh, we are doing many things. But one of the thing that, things that we are doing is to save baby girls from boiled by their own mothers. I said, what? He said, wait a minute. I am going to show you pictures. So, he showed me pictures. He said, you see, this one here. We have just rescued this baby girl a month ago. And then look, look at this one. He said, this one, few years back, we have rescued her. And you see, she is growing, growing now and she is going to school already. 
I said, my friend, I don't understand what you are saying. You are saying that you are rescuing baby girls from being boiled in boiling water by their own mothers? You said yes. Why is that? Talk to me, explain more. He said, you know, in my country, um, it is a custom that the parents of the girls, they have the duty to pay the dowry. And if a, a family realizes that they have more baby girls than they can handle, then one, the baby is still small. They boil water. And the mother herself put that baby in that boiled water. Because he said it will be a disgrace for the family not being able to pay the dowry. It is quite opposite to many countries, including in Africa. The, the, the boys, the, the parents' boys are supposed to take care of the dowry. Then I looked at him. I didn't know what to say. I wanted not to believe, but I saw the pictures. And I saw the face of this man, of this godly man, full of dedication. And I was compelled to believe that what he told me was true. I didn't know what to say. I was speechless. There's something in my heart. It was a kind of revolting. He said, why? Why is this? And almost in desperation, I sighed. I said, Lord, you just must come. Come back, Lord. We cannot stand this. And I realized that this is just the tip of the iceberg of human suffering. I was so convinced then that Jesus must come. That the solution for this world is Jesus coming. Jesus must come. Patching up will not work. Yes, we are here to alleviate human suffering because that is part of our job, our duty while we are here. But that is just temporary. That is just patching up. What we need is an evacuation plan. We need to be evacuated. We need the new earth and the new heaven. A few years back, when our children were still small, I remember one worship time, family worship time. And I was explaining to them they're about the age of eight, six, and ten. They are here. They are big now. And our topic was heaven. The difference between heaven and earth. So I was contrasting the two. He said, children, right here, we have all kind of suffering. Right here, 
we have sicknesses. Right here, we have death. Right here, we have hatred. But I said, in heaven, we will be happy all the time. In heaven, no such thing as sickness, no hatred. We, we will love one another totally. And I said, we will see Jesus face to face. And then Paul Jr. is here. He said, Daddy, I want to say something. I said, Son, go ahead. What is that? And he said, he was about eight years old. He said, if heaven is so good, why then we are still here? If heaven is so good, he said, why are we still here? And he said, he tried to put a lot of uh, emphasis. And he said, let's go to heaven now. We said, let's go to heaven now. I was taken aback. I, I didn't know what to say for a while. I reflected over it. And I realized it was so true. And I told him, said, son, you are right. We need to go to heaven. But before we go, we have a job to be done. And that is the preaching of the gospel. Preaching of the gospel. And that's why this morning, I would like us to discover in the Bible the key to a finished work. And we'll realize that it is the be transformed. What is the key to a finished work? Let me reveal to you my three all-consuming goals. I have three of them. First, I just want to be like Jesus. That is my goal. I study the life of Jesus and I just want to imitate him. I just want to be like Jesus. The second one is that I want to be alive when Jesus comes. You see, I want just a direct flight. Not via underground. No stopover. From here, direct flight. Just one boarding pass. From here, direct. Not passing underground. No stopover. Of course, God decides. The most important is to be there. But if I am given a choice, I want a direct flight. Not having a stopover. And the third consuming goal is to finish the preaching of the gospel in this generation. To shorten the time of suffering. To shorten the time of waiting. And to shorten the time of being separated physically with Jesus. 
want to see him face to face. Because indeed, we shall be like him. My life is a kind of a life of searching. Uh, let me just give you a short background of, of myself. You know, I was not raised uh, in a Christian home. I was raised, I can say, as a pagan, worshipping idols. I was in darkness. That was the religion of the family. Um, I was sent to school. But out of jealousy, I was given a poison. And I was very sick. It was the kind of poison that uh, disturbs your system and kills you gradually. For six months, I was so sick, just uh, skin and bones. And uh, I, I was sent home to die. Uh, the doctor said, look, I, um, the doctor called my dad. You know, we have done our best, but we are sorry. We, we feel that um, that is the best we can, so uh, you may take your son. So I went to the village. People were waiting for the announcement of my death. Of course, I didn't die. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so I... Uh, I was cured in a miraculous way. But I had to pay a price. My mom said, son, no more school for you. Because you have talents, they will, they will come after you again. I'd rather have you here with me than to go to school and then these people will come back to you again. No school for you. I love books. Love studying. That was painful. So I was pleading, pleading, ma'am, you know, I really want to study. He said, no. And I realized that the no was a no. So I, I accepted. He said, okay, just be a farmer like us. So I accepted. So I started to be a farmer. And I found, I found a book. And it was the New Testament in darkness. Darkness of the soul in a family, a pagan family, a New Testament. So I brought the book while I was tending the cattle of the family. I was reading this book from cover to cover. And when I reached the last part of the life of Jesus, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, I met this man. His name is Jesus. My life was changed by the cross, the, the Bible. I can tell you, I know from experience that this book is the word of God. This book can change us to be. So, when I met Jesus, 
The idea of not going to school became unbearable. So I started the pleading again. He said, mom and dad, I really want to go to school. Nothing will happen to me. God will protect me. Just allow me, allow me to go back to school. And uh, I did not get a positive answer. But I persisted. And finally, my dad called me, son, I think you are going back to school. I was so happy. So I went back to school and um, I attended churches, the Presbyterian church. And there I found the Bible, the entire Bible. I was so glad. I was so happy that not only the New Testament, but the two testaments, the Bible. So I started to read again the Bible. Then I realized that there are so many denominations. I said, what is this? I don't understand. Why there are so many denominations? So I started to search. When I was in darkness, I was searching the true God. And praise the Lord, I found the true God and the true Savior. Now, I was searching the true church. Because I said, uh, I don't want to go halfway. I want to go all the way. So, I studied the Bible for six months. From 9 p.m. to 12, midnight. Wrestling with God, praying, studying the Bible. Lord, show me your church. After six months of wrestling with God, midnight, there was almost an audible voice saying, the Seventh-day Adventist church is the true church. I have never met an Adventist. I have never seen a church. I said, Lord, where can I find that church? So I started searching the church. And to cut the long story short, I found the church. I started the Bible studies and I was baptized. And then... I went to the seminary. The Lord called me. I had to pay a heavy price on that one because I was disowned by my parents. They were disappointed. They were thinking that I will be probably the president of the country. That was the talk of the of the, our region, that this young man will go far. For sure, you will become probably the president of this country. So when I decided to, to become a full-time minister, they were so disappointed. And they said, look, pass this. My mom said, you see, I carry you, carried you in my womb for nine months. I sit here next, this, next to this door. If you pass here, don't come back again because you are no longer my son. 
fortunately, after one year, um, I went back and they accepted me. And uh, my mom was actually baptized later on. But I was looking for this church. And I found the church. And I became a minister. Then I studied the Bible. I love this book. I love this book. And the spirit of prophecy. This is my life. So I studied the Bible again. And, and the spirit of prophecy. And I read things like in Christ's Object Lesson, page 69. Said, it is the privilege of every Christian not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I said, what? Oh, so it is possible to hasten the coming of Jesus. So I started to study for years, spending countless hours and Studying the scriptures and the spirit of prophecy. When I read, for example, statements like saying that, look, the promise is still the same. For example, in education page 262, it said the heaven appointed purpose of giving the gospel to the world in this generation, is the noblest that can appeal to any human being. I said, so, it is possible to hasten the coming of Jesus. And actually, the plan of God is to finish His work in this generation. And then I read again, in the book, The Desire of Ages, page 832. He said, the promise is far-reaching as the commission. So, the commission says, go ye. And the spirit of prophecy says that, yeah, the promise is as far-reaching as the commission. And he said, the promise is just as strong and trustworthy now as in the days of the apostles. So, I study this. And then the last one that changed really my life is this one here. Said the gospel still possesses the same power. And why should we not today witness the same results? That is the desire of ages. Uh, page 823. That big question. He said, the gospel still possesses the same power. And why should we not today witness the same power? So I want to work. I want to study again the word of God. He said, why? I wanted to understand this why. Why then? And then I read the book of Acts. Read also the spirit of prophecy. And full of power. You see the book of Acts. We are amazed when you read the book of Acts. The power of God there. I said, why, Lord? Why we don't see these things now? What is the reason? 
Maybe God is old. And say, well, you know, my children, I am old now. I used to do those things before, but uh, my strength is no longer. Is that true? No. God is still the same. And what about the gospel? Maybe this gospel is, is getting weak, weaker. No. It is said that the gospel possesses, still possesses the same power. Said, what is it? Maybe the commission. No, the commission is still there. Go ye therefore, preach the gospel. So it is not, it is not God. It is not the gospel. It is not the commission. Said, why? Said, I prayed again. Study the word of God on my knees. Study the, the spirit of prophecy. And after a few years of wrestling and agonizing, trying to find the key, the divine key to a finished work because you want to go home. It was just so clear in my mind. He said that this is the key. And I want to share with you briefly today. What is that key? And the key is found in our text. You see, in this John chapter 14, this is the last words of Jesus before he died on the cross. It is part of his speech and prayer. In chapter, John chapter 13, verse 1, that is the context. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So that is the context. That was the time for Jesus to say to the disciples, Look, I must go. And the disciples were sad. said, Oh, he has to go. And then Jesus comforted them and that's why he said in chapter 14 verse 1 said don't do not let your hearts be troubled trust in god trust also in me said yes i'm leaving but don't let your heart be troubled because i have a plan for you and then thomas said to him verse 5 lord we don't know where you are going so how can we know the way? And then Jesus answered him, yes, I'm the way. Then Philip thought a bit, said, yeah, all of us here, we need comfort. We need assurance. Oh, I have an idea. Let me, let me ask Jesus for something. And verse 8, chapter 14, verse 8. He said, Philip said, Lord Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. He said, oh, I, we know, Lord, that you have to go. But one request, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be a consolation. That will be a comfort for us. Then Jesus was almost disappointed. He said, Philip... I don't understand you. Verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip? 
even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You know me, Philip. He said, let me tell you now the key. And in verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my, my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Here, God, Jesus Christ, revealed the power, the secret of His power. The key to His power. He said, look, I'm telling you, Philip, and all of you disciples, what I'm saying now, it is not my word. When you see me preaching, it's not me preaching, it's my Father. When you see me operating miracles, it's not me, it's the Father. So don't say, show me the Father, because the Father and myself, we are one. So for three and a half years, you have been with the Father. So don't ask to show you the Father. And then Jesus revealed to us the key to a finished work. Verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than this because I am going to the Father. So Jesus was saying, See, look, that is the key to my power. God, my Father, is working in me. Speaking the words. Doing these things. And he said, look, not only me. But you too, you have that prerogative. You have that opportunity. If you believe in me, this is what I'm going to do. I will use your heart as my throne. I will use your body as my temple. So, I am going to work through you. You may, when you open your mouth, it will not be your words. It will be mine. When you confront a difficult situation, you will not be alone. I will walk through you. And when you preach, I will give you the power. Because not you to preach. It's me through you. I said, Lord, thank you. This is it. And this is the missing link we have. We tend to do the work of God alone. We don't invite Jesus to do this. And that's why we have, re we have meager result. So... Jesus, this promise 
was fulfilled in the book of Acts. So whatever Jesus did, do you realize the disciples also did? The only thing that they didn't do is to save. Because they are not, they are not the savior. But all the good deeds, all the great things Jesus did, talking about preaching, Peter did that. And actually, in one sermon, 25 times, from 120 to 3,000 souls. And miracles, Peter, the disciples, did all of this, even resurrecting the dead. So, John chapter 14 was fulfilled in the book of Acts. And what about us? Let, let us do a little exercise. Take your Bible. Let's take one epistle. For example, Romans. Chapter 1, you see the introduction. In chapter 1, Paul, servant, Christ Jesus. And then when you read the book of Romans, you see that uh, he is uh, developing points. That is the body. And then, uh, let's jump to chapter 16. You see their personal greetings. That is the conclusion. And when you study the epistle, you see this. Introduction. The body of the epistle and the conclusion. But let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. What do we see? Yes, chapter 1 is the introduction. It is clear when it said in my former book. And this is the introduction. And then go the... The stories of uh, the mighty things, the, what God has performed through the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And let's go to the last chapter. Acts chapter 28. What do we see there? The last verse. Verse 31. He said, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God. And taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the conclusion? This is not a conclusion. There is no final greetings. It is just abruptly cut. Telling what is going on. And then that's the end of it. This is not accidental. This is not an oversight. Because the last chapters of the book of Acts are yet to be written. This is not an oversight. It is intentional. Because the book of Acts has to be continued. All of us, personally, and as a group, we have chapters to be to write. And GYC has many chapters to be written. I am just excited about GYC. Look, 
the reports that we have just heard and what we are going to do this afternoon. Those are chapters of the book of Acts that we are writing right now. But greater things are still waiting for us. So what do we need to do for this to happen to us? For this to happen, for the power of God, the power of God to walk through us. Just imagine, think a bit about this. When you look, when you read John chapter 14, and it is said here, said, I tell you the truth, verse 12, anyone who has faith in me, will do what I have been doing. Anyone, and anyone means anyone, meaning you and me, anyone, meaning all of us here, here and also the audience via satellite. Anyone can do, can do the work of Jesus. Meaning, let's break that down. Meaning, when, when we come to him and we accept what he's saying, you as an individual, we will do exactly what Jesus did. Do you believe in that? You know, sometimes you rationalize too much. Said, well, maybe we have to put this in a context. Well, really? No, this is true. The Bible is clear. It said anyone, it is clear, anyone who has faith in me will, not may, will do what I have been doing. Meaning, personally, by his grace, when you have this faith, we will do exactly what Jesus did when he was on earth. And that is the key. So we will be like Jesus. When people see us, they see Jesus. When they listen to us, they said, yeah, uh, this must be Jesus. We will be mistaken to be Jesus. All over the place, like Jesus. Just think of 1,000 young people, just to be conservative, just be like Jesus. Wherever we go, we will be like Jesus. That is already wonderful. But Jesus is saying, you will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Who? Going, doing greater things than Jesus? Think about it. I studied in this spirit of prophecy. And it is said that not that we are going to do more exalted work than Jesus. But it is the extent. You see, when Jesus was here, he was alone. When he was still here, he was alone. But now, he said, because he is going to the Father, he will be many through us. Instead of having just one, you will have many ambassadors. Many, in quotes, small Jesus around. 
and all of this put together, it will be greater than what Jesus did. And also, the length. You see, Jesus, he served only for three and a half years. But if the Lord tarries, you serve maybe ten times than that in length. So all of this, all of us put together, and then the length of time, we will do indeed greater things than he did. They, they combined, and that is the key. And when we preach the gospel, it will carry weight. And what we see in the book of Acts will be repeated again. But for that to happen, we need to believe in God. Said, believe in me. Believe in me. Me. Who is me? God. The great I am. You know, many times, friends, you believe in a small God. We put God in a box. We tend to limit God. No, God, he cannot be limited. We need for that to happen. We need to believe in a big God, in a mega God. We are believing, we are worshipping a great God. So he said, believe in me, the great I am. And then he said, you have to have faith. Last night, we studied about faith. I appreciate it so much. We need faith. We need to believe. And then we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we are many times full of ourselves. And you know, when you are full, there's no room for God. There's no room for God. We must be emptied. Emptied of self, of pride, of self-doubt. And allow God to enter. The key to a finished work is allowing God to intervene in our lives, in the life of our church, in the life of our organization. The Bible is the history of God's intervention. The creation, God intervened. The redemption, God intervened. And now too, God would like to intervene miraculously in your life. And that's why he wants you to be for him really to work through you. So today, let's decide by the grace of God to be used by God to accept this divine key. Meaning, allow yourself to be used by God with power. And when we do that, things will be different. Whatever we read in the book of Acts, they will happen again. We are not just there to read and amazed, but we will live and it is happening. It will happen again and again. And with that power rediscovered, we go out this afternoon 
Make sure that you will be there. Don't miss it. I will not miss it. We will go out this afternoon with the power of God. And great things will happen. You go back. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And the work will be done. And we will go home. And we shall be like Him. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to surrender your life today? So that you can be like Jesus. And you can do like Jesus. And you can go as Jesus asked us to do. If that use your decision, why don't you stand? And asking God to use you in a mighty way. To hasten the coming of Jesus. And then we will be, we shall be like him indeed. Let's pray. Our Lord, thank you so much. That you have told us today the key to a finished work. You want us to to be like you. To do like you. And to go and preach the gospel. Be with us today. Give us that power. Oh Lord, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. And when we go, we will see what is written in the book of Acts in our life. Lord, help us to continue to write chapters of the book of Acts. In our personal lives, in our family, and in the ministry and organization. Oh Lord, give us the power. We want to go home. We want to live with you, Jesus. Until then, help us to remain faithful and full of zeal. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.